Please be seated for our Bible readings. The first reading is taken from Paul's second letter to the church in Thessalonica, chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page 221 in the New Testament section of the church Bible. In this reading, Paul gives thanks and praise to God for the steadfast faith of the Thessalonian church and for the vindication of their testimony amidst the persecution they face for the glory of God. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We must always give thanks to God for you, brothers and sisters, as is right, because your faith is growing abundantly, and the love of every one of you for one another is increasing. Therefore we ourselves boast of you amongst the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith during all your persecutions and the afflictions that you are enduring. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God and is intended to make you worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. For it is indeed just of God to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to the afflicted as well as to us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction, separated from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might, when he comes to be glorified by his saints and to be marveled at on that day among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you, asking that our God will make you worthy of his call and will fulfill by his power every good resolve and work of faith so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The second reading is taken from Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 1. It can be found on page 88 in the New Testament section of the Church Bible. In this reading, we hear of the transformation in the life of Zacchaeus after his encounter with Jesus Christ. He entered Jericho and was passing through it. A man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was trying to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was short in stature. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried down and was happy to welcome him. All who saw it began to grumble and said, He has gone to be the guest of one who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, half of my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Then Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek out and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord.
Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, it's really good to, uh, to be back here in St. Wands. It's the first church I visited when uh, I arrived in the island from uh, the other place. Uh, well, you're almost there yourselves. <laughs> uh, but it's really, really good to be here and to share fellowship with you and to worship God together. And as we do so, let's bow our heads and pray. Lord God, we pray that you will open your word to our hearts and our hearts to your word. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got to tell you, I just, I love the story of Zacchaeus. It's such a great cameo. It's the first story you're taught as a child in Sunday school. You know, we carry that, that uh, image with us all through life, really, for those who, who have sort of grown up in the Christian faith. But I have to say, it, it's been quite a long time since I climbed a tree. Uh, and looking out in the congregation, I'm suspecting that uh, it's probably been quite a while since you've climbed a tree as well. Uh, I, I did have one very memorable experience of climbing a tree when I lived uh, in Zimbabwe, actually. I was in a, a safari area known as Manapur's beautiful area by the uh, Zambezi River. And uh, thank you, Ian. It's not often I've been given a spittoon. Uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> Thanks for that. Um, anyway, I was, I was in this game area by the Zambezi River. I was with a group of scientists, and we were counting animals. So they closed it off to, to the tourists. And we were on foot, counting animals in a safari area, which is really exciting. And when you're on foot counting animals that are big and, and ferocious, uh, it does two things, really. First of all, it sharpens your senses really <laughs> enormously. And secondly, when the wrong animal comes along, it does other strange things to the muscles in your body too. Probably best, I don't know whether that's why he's put that down there. Anyway, anyway we, were, we were walking through the, through the, the grass. Uh, it was, uh, you know, lots of trees around us, quite dense. You couldn't see what was coming. Uh, and then suddenly we sort of came out into this little open glade area. And there right in front of us, downwind, was this huge bull buffalo. And, and he smelt us before he saw us. And as we emerged from the grass, he charged at us. And uh, there were just four of us there. One the guy had a gun, but, you know, you don't want to shoot everything, you see. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any animals. Uh, so two things happened, really. First of all, I broke the land speed record for getting back to the uh, wooded area. And then I levitated up a tree. <laughs> That's what it felt like. I climbed the tree very, very quickly where I remained until said buffalo got bored and, and, uh, and moved on. So that was a very memorable tree climbing experience uh, for me. Such is the richness of life. And it's the richness of life, actually, that I want to talk to you about this morning, because clearly Zacchaeus was a very rich man. But a rather interesting question to ponder is, what makes someone rich? Think about that for a moment, because on the surface of things, what made Zacchaeus rich was the fact that he was the chief tax collector. Now, that meant one of three things. Firstly, it meant, of course, that he collaborated with the enemy that was absolutely despised, the Romans, 
who were taxed the population for things that gave no material benefit to them whatsoever. Things back in Rome, other wars, the building of pagan temples. So it was deeply resented. Uh, mind you, all tax collecting is deeply resented, isn't it? It's a sort of fixture in life, really. But uh, when you've got an occupying army, that just takes on a whole new dimension. And imagine what that does in, in community dynamics. Secondly, being a chief tax collector, that meant that he employed others to collect the taxes on his behalf. That meant that he corrupted people within his own community, which would have brought further resentment to him. And he was basically inciting people to become traitors. And thirdly, it meant that the chief tax collector could extort people and squeeze them. And by Zacchaeus' own admission, that's exactly what he had done. But for all his riches, Zacchaeus was short of several things in his life. Uh, one of those things was about one foot eight inches, because he was a pretty short guy. And the other, of course, would have been family, because if you become a tax collector, you sell your soul to the devil. And your family and your clan would have disowned you, or joined you and been excommunicated by the rest of the community. And you'd be short of friends. Zacchaeus' social life would have been limited to other tax collectors, to Roman officials, and other social outcasts in the city. So is that what makes someone rich? The accumulation of wealth, but without integrity, or the ignoring of family and neighbour, or just focusing on yourself, by all accounts, and looking at Zacchaeus' life, that isn't really very good. Not fulfilling. And yet for many, it's the expectation, it's the norm in, in Western society. I, you know, I, I find it deeply disturbing, especially now with, with climate change and all the other rubbish that's happening in the world at the moment, that we are still so obsessed as a culture with the accumulation of wealth. And we carry on as if this will continue to sustain us in the future. You know, a few years back, I've got to be careful here because we're online. <laughs> I was asked to take the funeral of a very prominent and wealthy individual in Guernsey who was very well known and he had a string of businesses both uh, here in Jersey and in Guernsey. And I knew the family and the circumstances very, very well. And after the funeral, I mean literally after the funeral, someone sidled up to me and said this, Mike, you know the family well. How much did he leave? And I whispered back and I said to him, all of it. And Zach had plenty to live with, but actually not very much to live for. I wonder if that's the sickness of our times, really. So is it any wonder then that something stirred in Zacchaeus, even if he couldn't quite articulate it, and he ran up to a tree because he wanted to see Jesus? Now, we need to get this all into context. If you've got your Bibles in front of you and you happen to turn to them, Luke chapter 19 it is, but go back a chapter to Luke chapter 18. Jesus is passing through Jericho, and you've got to see this because um, Jesus, before Jesus meets Zacchaeus coming out of Jericho, he meets somebody going into Jericho. And he meets a blind man 
who can't see, obviously, but he recognises Jesus because he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. So he, he's blind, but he's spiritually sighted. And the crowd tried to shut him down, but he shouts out all, all the more. And Jesus goes up to the blind man and he says, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says, well, the obvious really, Lord, I want to see. And Jesus heals him. But on the way out of town, Jesus meets someone who can see, but who's spiritually blind. And that's Zacchaeus. It's the sort of flip side on the way in, on the way out. He too wants to see Jesus, but only from a safe distance. And he does not want to be seen. So he climbs a tree. Now I've got lime trees at the front of the deanery in, uh, in town. And they're I don't know if you know about lime trees, they're sticky and horrible and messy and they make your car go black and it's horrible, terrible. Sycamore trees, not the same as sycamore trees here, they're sycamore fig trees in the Holy Land, they are even worse. So they're huge trees, they've got lots of dense foliage and they're covered in these weird little figs that you can't eat but the birds love them. So it's sticky and messy and when the birds are finished eating, other stuff goes on and makes it even more messy. In fact, so terrible are these trees that in the Mishnah, which is the sort of first recording of Jewish oral tradition, there's a chapter donated to the, to the sycamore tree. And it says you can't grow them within 75 feet of the town because they're so messy. And they are unclean trees. So that's a nice little detail. But that means he's an unclean man in an unclean profession, hiding in an unclean tree, not wanting to be seen. And by the way, do you know what the word Zacchaeus means, what his name means? It means <laughs> righteous one. Just love the irony of that, don't you? <laughs> well, Jesus sees right through Zacchaeus talking of seeing. And he says, hurry down, I must, must, it's imperative that I stay at your house. And here is this extraordinary thing of Jesus showing his willingness to become unclean by declaring that he will dine with an unclean person in an unclean house. Welcome to the kingdom of God. The king of glory is about to rescue another lost sheep that Luke talks about two or three chapters earlier. But this one isn't out in the field with the shepherd looking for him. This one's up a tree. This takes us to the very heart of the gospel of Jesus' mission and purpose for the world. He has come to seek and save the lost, even the most hated man in town. Now, it's one thing to climb up a tree to take a peek because you want to see. It's a whole other thing to come down and welcome Jesus into your house. And that's the point where Zacchaeus' life begins to change. That's where richness begins to inhabit his world. Because up until that point, he was in poverty. I mean, it was comfortable poverty, but you and I know that poverty takes many forms. You know, there was a um, Sunday Mirror journalist called Dan Wooding. 
He once interviewed Mother Teresa and and he, he says in his book that he was shocked to the core when he was interviewing her and she said this. She said, the spiritual poverty of the Western world is so much greater than the physical poverty of my people. Wow. And then she said, you in the West... You have millions of people who suffer such terrible loneliness and emptiness. They feel unloved and unwanted. These people are not hungry in the physical sense, but they are, they are in another way. They know that they need something more than money, but they don't know what it is. That interview was 50 years ago, 1972. And we haven't come a very long way when you look at our well-being and our children's mental health. We have poverty. It's just not monetary poverty for some of us. But Zacchaeus welcomes Jesus gladly. He knows he's short of meaning and purpose and friendship and love and height. (laughs) And... uh, And it's another deep irony that Luke shares with us here, that of all the people who might have offered hospitality to Jesus as he walks through Jericho, it ended up being the most despised bloke of them all. No wonder they got angry, because they were pretty much angry with themselves. And, you know, when we've done wrong, it's really easy to blame someone else, isn't it? Always gone to be the guest of a sinner. Why didn't I think of inviting him for supper? And the result of Jesus becoming unclean to make an unclean man clean is that Zacchaeus is transformed. That's the point when he becomes rich. And there's the gospel right there. There is the cross right there. Jesus takes on our mess to make up a a messed up human being right before God. And Zacchaeus really changes. He is moved. He welcomes Jesus. He, he, he shows it. He demonstrates an inward change by an outward action. So I want to share three things with you now to take away from today. Firstly, a, a really practical point. If you're ever charged by a 900 kilogram bull, buffalo, climb a tree. Useful tip. Maybe not so much here in St. Wands, but you never know. <laughs> I mean, we've got large rodents, koipus running around the island. Who knows what's coming next? <laughs> Secondly, what makes you rich has less to do with the accumulation of wealth and everything to do with opening your eyes to what God wants for you in life and death and beyond. And once Zach got those priorities right, everything else fell into place, as it so often does. And instead of loving things and using people, he learned to love people and use things. <laughs> Take another read of the last part of chapter 18 and chapter 19 and see what God is saying to you about priorities and about what you really want to see in life. And thirdly, something really practical. If you have met with Jesus Christ, that necessitates change in life. I mean, that's, you know, it's a big umbrella truth. But you can't stay up the tree. Even Zach didn't do that. 
It was a big step for him to come down and welcome Jesus. And Zacchaeus demonstrated an inward change by an outward action. Now, I've got no idea what's happening in your life right now. Whether you are hiding in a tree, hiding from Jesus, or whether you're welcoming him into your home. But either way, when we encounter God, it means change. It might take a lifetime, but it means change. And as we reflect on this passage and this incredible transformation in Zacchaeus, what change does God want to wrought in you? Does he want you to come out the tree? Does he want you to welcome him in? Does he want you to know what richness really is? Let's pray, shall we? Lord, forgive us when our faith is distant, when we shinny up the tree and stay there, not wanting to encounter you really, but happy to look in from afar. Help us, Lord, to understand, to grasp, to experience the true richness that you long for us to have so that we may be the people that you call us to be. A child of God. And that's who I am. Cherished and loved by you and called to take love into this hurting world. We ask this in the name of Jesus, who came to seek and save the lost. Amen.